Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, of course, as always, is Bruce Gibson. And we're here to talk about the week in Star Trek. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm drinking my Powerade Zero Sugar that is mixed berry because I bought a whole crate of different Powerades Zero Sugars. So I've been drinking those like every day because I'm trying to cut back on drinking soda. And I thought, why not put those same chemicals in me from a different type of drink instead? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know... It's, it's funny, little side tangent here. I worked with someone who said, you know, they're trying to get healthier. They're going to give up all sugar. They're going to give up all sugar. And I said, oh, that, that's awesome. That's really hard to do. That's great. And he said, yeah. So now every day with my coffee and my tea, I have honey instead. And I just kind of <laughs> shake my head a little bit and say, okay. I mean, now to everyone out there, there's some benefits to having things like honey and that kind of thing. But folks, I'm here to tell you. That's still sugar. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> right. It's still a sugar. It's not the same sugar that you were, you know, giving up, but it's still sugar. Yeah. I see mm-hmm. what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. The thing is, I don't, I never give up sweets because if I gave up sweets, I'd have to give up my wife. Mm. Isn't that Aww. nice? <laughs> That's adorable. I love it. <laughs> well, we're here today, not just to talk about all that kind of uh, food and, and and that kind of stuff. We're here to talk about Star Trek. And uh, at the start of the show here, we've got some news stories that we're going to share with you. One about Star Trek Prodigy and one about Bruce's favorite topic, Star Trek movies. Yay. Oh, yay. I saw this in the notes. I haven't read it. I have no idea what's coming up. Okay. Well, it, it, yeah, we'll get there. And after that, of course, we are going to go into our review of this week's episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 4, Dreamcatcher. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, speaking of Star Trek Prodigy, 
We've got some really interesting news about Prodigy that I kind of didn't see coming and really uh, changes up some of our plans for coming up on the podcast and stuff. Star Trek Prodigy, first of all, has been renewed officially for season two. So great news there. That's awesome. But uh, interestingly enough, we've learned more about what season one is going to look like in the meantime. And the folks over at Paramount Plus and CBS Studios have added two mid-season breaks to the first 20-episode season, which is really interesting. So this week's episode and then next week's episode, and then we get a break until uh, sometime in January in the new year, shortly after uh, New Year's, January 6th. So we were kind of thinking like, oh, we're going to be doing Prodigy and Discovery in parallel for a while. That's going to happen. And yeah, that's going to happen next week. But then Prodigy takes a bit of a break and we get Discovery by itself for a little while. So uh, Bruce, what do you think of this new information? I'm trying to wrap this around my head right now. (laughs) So, okay. So we're going to get a Prodigy and a Discovery episode this coming week. And Mm -hmm. then... We just have Discovery for a while until we get into January. Then we're back to Discovery and Prodigy. Unless unless Discovery goes on a break at that point. Oh, gosh, I hope which not. Is I don't want them to do that. <laughs> but now, aren't we supposed to get Picard after Discovery? I can't remember. After Discovery, yeah. So after Discovery. Right. So are we getting an overlap with Prodigy and Picard also later? Uh, I don't think so, no, because Picard starts in February And there's a second mid-season break coming for Prodigy after episode 10 on February 3rd. And then episodes 11 to 20 of season one will be in late 2022. So that would be well after Picard at that point. Wait a second. So season one comes out in late 2021 and the last half of season one comes out late 2022. (laughs) So yeah, that's a huge gap. That feels like... That feels more like a season one, season two. I know it's technically season one, but if mm-hmm. you separate them by that much, it feels more like a, a two season thing, right? A little bit. Yeah. It kind of harkens back to uh, the television of like the early 2000s. Like I remember Battlestar Galactica did that all the time. They'd have like their 10 episode run and they'd have a big mid-season cliffhanger. And then it would be like six or seven months later, they'd come out with the second half of the season. So it, it kind of feels a little old school to me that way. Yeah. But, uh, that and the fact that it's 20 episodes, like that's huge. You know, the most we've gotten from the new era of Star Trek is the first season of Discovery, which was 14 episodes. That's the longest season we've had. So, and and since then, most of them have been 10 episodes, Picard and Lower Decks, that's been the case there. So the fact that we're getting 20 episodes in this season, it's almost like the heyday of Star Trek again for Prodigy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, Debbie Downer here. (laughs) Positively Trek, keep that in mind, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's cool, 20 episodes in one season, but when you break the season up with that much distance, it really doesn't feel like a season. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we'll get 10 episodes and then we got to wait, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine months. That, that to me is like waiting for a whole new season to start. So to me, it feels like, you know, we're going to get 10 episodes and then sometime at the end of next year, as if it's like a new season, we're getting 10 more episodes. 
They can technically mm-hmm. say it's one season, but it's going to feel like it's two separate seasons is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and yeah, to me, like I said, it just feels like old school television where they had the old, not not old, old school, but you know, a couple decades ago, early 2000s old school, I guess. So You're younger than me that, that that's old school to you. And that was yesterday to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty much yesterday to me too, to be fair. This new streaming thing is kind of the weird one out. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm really excited that they're extended for a second season officially now as well. No word on how long season two will be, if it will also be 20 episodes or if there'll be some other number there. But I'm really excited for this. I love, I love actually the that it's it's going to have a little bit of a break and we're not going to be getting it overlapping with Picard and Strange New Worlds and all that stuff. Who knows, maybe in late 2022 it will be overlapping with something else right now, but for now I'm actually kind of relieved that it's not going to be concurrent with a bunch of the other series going on except for possibly a bit of Discovery, it looks like, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm assuming that that second little chunk of season 1 will overlap with Discovery given that it's done in February and we know Picard's coming in February. So, uh presumably that second chunk will overlap with Discovery and that now that I kind of think of that and and do the math on that there. Yeah, I mean the positive side of it is like you're just saying, it's like We've got a lot of Star Trek coming, right? If this was like the only series we had right now, and then they're dividing up the season, we have to wait months for the second half of the season. And it's like, oh, it's going to be a long wait. But we got all this other Star Trek. The positive also is the announcement of a season two. So to your point, even though we don't know how many episodes are in season two, we're getting season, we're getting 10 episodes now. Then we know in about a year or late 2022, we're going to get 10 episodes. And we know that after that, which obviously would be probably 2023, we're going to get more Prodigy. So we know that we're getting new Prodigy for the next couple of years. So that's the huge takeaway, as opposed to getting all 20 episodes now and waiting two years for the second season to come. It's almost like they're spreading out the love so we don't have to wait with a huge gap until season two comes. Because remember how long it took for them to get season one out, and not just that, but to make the announcement to let us know anything about what the title was or what the series was about took a long time, too. Yeah, so definitely some good news there. Uh, I do have to say I, I'm I'm a little sad that uh, that that this was kind of came across to you as as bad news because I thought this was the good news story of our two main stories this week because <laughs> the next story is just a little bit of bad news so I thought we'd start with the positive but uh, well, apparently it is positive I'm sorry it's just I'm in a mood but <laughs> <laughs> it's just that when I hear season one is going to take half its episodes and wait till late 22 I'm like wait why are you taking them away from me I want them now <laughs> you know but that's cool I'm, I'm good with it well speaking of the powers that be taking things and making us wait uh in a move that surprises probably exactly nobody out there uh 2023's star trek movie that we got that date of of june 2023 uh, has been pushed to december of 2023 so mark your calendars folks this is the first delay for this movie um i'm not being overly pessimistic here i'm not gonna say that's the first of many but 
we know how these things work. There's delays in, in filmmaking. And of course, the last couple of years have been kind of crazy for other reasons as well. So this mysterious film that we can't really say anything about except who's involved in making it and the release date, which is now changed. Uh, yeah, that's that's set for a December 2023 release now. So, um, yeah, December 22nd. They've moved it from an early summer movie to a Christmas movie. And I guess we'll see if that's still the case when December 2023 rolls around. But uh, Bruce, your thoughts on this? Well, see, this is a little different to me than the Prodigy thing, because the Prodigy thing is ready and then they're holding out on us. This hasn't even started. So I'm like, I don't even pay attention that much to the dates because I knew they were going to move. But I like to think that maybe what happened was that since they took the second half of season one of Prodigy and delayed it, it pushed the movie out. They're spreading the mm. love out further. Forth. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> Well, maybe because we've heard nothing about this movie before, maybe it's a prodigy movie and it's a secret. No, I'm, I really don't think that's the case. I'm not actually speculating that, but, uh, you know, we, we know they did talk about wanting to groom prodigy for the big screen at some point. So never know. I'm just really interested to know what they're going to do with the movie. This is not an easy decision. I don't blame them that they need more time with it because what, where do you go? With a new movie. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I mean, if you're not bringing back Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and that whole cast and you're starting something new, is it tied into these series? Is it something that stands on its own? Is it all new original characters with a new ship? Like, it's like, I have no clue what direction mm -hmm. they're going to go in with this. I, I, I couldn't even, if they were to ask me, I don't even know what the right answer would be. I don't even know how I would tell them. Oh, I think this is what you should do. I, 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 good luck to them. Seriously, I'll be there watching, yeah. but I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Well, I, I hope that whatever they've come up with, uh, we're going to enjoy. So they, they, they obviously know what they're going to do, and uh, hopefully, it's good. <laughs> so we'll see. I guess. Uh, yeah, they've kept this one under wraps. We don't know anything about it yet. Uh, Bad Robot, of course, is producing it. J.J. Abrams' company there. So could be more of the same, could be something totally new. They're not letting us know yet. So we'll we'll keep our ear to the ground and have our enjoyable uh, Star Trek movie section of the show every once in a while where, you know, maybe someday we'll have some information to share. But in the meantime, probably just a lot of probably a lot of non-information for a while to come yet. <laughs> if I had to predict, I'm going to say that they're talking about doing a movie that takes place after Picard puts us in the early 25th century. And in this movie, the baton is handed from Picard, Cisco to Janeway to some new crew. Like, it's almost like mm. I'm thinking how J.J. worked with the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, you know? You have your new cast, but then you've got Han, Leia, and Luke in there passing the baton. I can see him doing something like that. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see for sure. Now, before we get to our Star Trek Prodigy review, I want to talk a little bit about The Center Seat, which I still have not seen. That's the docuseries on the History Channel. But... For those of you who have that channel or are watching that documentary series, episode two recently came out. And Bruce, uh, I'm assuming you've had the opportunity to watch it. Well, as some of you know, I was a little turned off on how they did the trailer. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to watch the series because of how the trailer is. But I knew I would watch it. And my gosh, this series is so much better than the trailer. I love this documentary. So episode two 
was a full hour of just about the animated series. I was shocked. Nice. I did not expect the full hour to go because I hadn't even looked ahead to see what episodes were coming. I have now. When it started off with the animated series, I thought, okay, they'll probably spend about 15 minutes on this and then they'll move on to talking about phase two and leading up into the motion picture. But then they kept going on the animated series and now we're like halfway through the episode and I'm like, okay. So they get gave a half hour to the animated series. Then I realized, no, they're giving the full hour. And one way I knew this is because as I'm watching this, they have Aaron Harvey throughout the episode, who's a friend of the show, who wrote the book about that came out just a couple of years ago about the animated series. I started messaging him. I said, you've invaded the History Channel on my TV. You just keep popping up. You know? <laughs> and so he and I were messaging. He said, yeah, he was told when they interviewed him and they were preparing for this episode, that they were going to devote a whole hour to it. And he was getting ready to watch it a little later. He was waiting for somebody to come over and they were going to watch it. And he's, you know, and I tell him like, well, you're in it a lot. And he wasn't even sure he wanted to watch it if he's in it that much, but he is, he's in there for <laughs> quite a bit, but it is so good. It was such a great documentary about the animated series. And I mean, I didn't expect that depth of information and about filmation, the company itself. So it was really good. I did look ahead and see that next week's is about the 70s, I guess, the whole thing about Phase 2 and stuff. And then there's an episode devoted to the films. And then there's an episode, I remember it had Q's name in it, so I assume that's the next generation. But they'll focus on each series, then leading up into where we are today. But, okay, I'm gushing enough about it. But this was if you love the animated series, you're going to love this documentary. Awesome. That's very cool. I, I had seen some of your... Uh tweets to Aaron or, or messages to Aaron because he was talking about them on social media. So uh, that's that's a lot of fun. I, I'm really excited to watch this. I have heard apparently if you are in Canada and have the CTV sci-fi channel, someone I haven't confirmed this myself, but one of our listeners let me know that it is going to be showing after Star Trek Discovery. So presumably episode one uh, this coming week. So that's pretty cool. I don't have cable myself, but that means it might show up on Crave as well at some point. So uh, I'm hopeful to be able to see this series at some point. So it looks like they've licensed it out to uh, Bell Media here in Canada, at least. So uh, very excited about that. I can't wait to see Aaron Harvey's smiling face on my, on my big screen TV. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him so big before. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and if anybody in some other countries finds out where it's available there, let us know. and We'll mention it on the show mm -hmm. so others can know. The funny thing about the History Channel is because I watch it live as it airs. And last week and this past week, it airs about, I don't know, five minutes after the top of the hour. So when they say it's on, for example, at 10 p.m. Eastern, it doesn't start 10 p.m. It starts a few minutes after that. Because what you're watching is the tail end of an episode called The Unexplained with William Shatner. So it's kind of strange. You turn in and there's William Shatner going, is the devil for real or is he not? The Unexplained. And then all of a sudden, Star Trek, 55 years. <laughs> and then when that episode of The Center Seat ends, The Unexplained comes back on again with William Shatner. <laughs> Right on. Well, lots of lots of Star Trek related content for people to watch if they're interested. But speaking of Star Trek content, we've got 
Star Trek proper to talk about now this week. So after a brief break, we'll be right back to talk about Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 4, Dreamcatcher. Thank you for listening to Positively Trek. And we want to give a shout out to our patrons on Patreon, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. We want to thank you for your contributions to the podcast. Now, if you would like to be a patron on Patreon, you can join us at patreon.com slash positively trek, where you get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, and associate producer credits. So thank you again for listening. And now let's fly. Our senses have discovered this uncharted M-class planet in the Herogen system. We should check it out. M-class? Ugh, not for my crew. We all deserve A-class planets. So, Bruce, Dreamcatcher, here we are, episode four, Star Trek Prodigy. And in this week's episode, we have the crew exploring a strange new world, just like Starfleet does. So, uh, warning to those of you listening, we will be getting into spoilers for this episode. So, if you've not watched it yet, you may want to pause here and come back once you've done so. So, Bruce, just overall, how are you enjoying Star Trek Prodigy so far? Now that we've got, you know, four episodes slash three episodes, basically, uh, into this, three parts of the story that we've seen so far. How are you liking this show? I'm really enjoying it. I do like the show. I like the characters. It's a little different for Star Trek. It's it's Star Trek, but it's not the typical Starfleet crew on a space station or a spaceship. So it's just a different dynamic. And having Janeway there just has that connection back to Voyager, which is a lot of fun. But I'm enjoying this. I can tell you that, I mean, I enjoyed this episode a lot, but not as much as I think as I like the first three episodes, but it's still up mm. there. Interesting, because I, I had kind of a similar reaction, uh, and I'm interested in in getting into that and kind of seeing what formed our opinion as as we talk about this episode. So first of all, the episode starts out with a captain's log, and as, as soon as like we had the opening credits and all that stuff, and then it came into it, and we heard captain's log start it, and I was like, ah, I'm at home. I'm just at home. This is Star Trek. I'm so happy. <laughs> that is a nice little thing there. To, well, because we had that whole music at the beginning, just like in a Star Trek series, starting with that grand music and the ship flying around and then Captain's Log starting. Yes. I mean, who doesn't like that? Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, of course, that doll is Stardate. I, um, well, I don't. I don't know. That that was fun. <laughs> it's like Kirk on the bridge of the Enterprise in Star Trek V, trying to do his log and the thing's not working. Uh, nah, hands it off to his daughter. So Janeway uh, has apparently been teaching the kids uh, how to plot a course and the wonders of autopilot, which is fun. You know, they're, they're learning their bits. We were seeing them kind of getting to know the ship and that sort of thing. Uh, but they're going to explore in this episode... A class M planet, which brings me to my first thing that I loved in this episode, which was Dahl saying like M class, ew, it's only A class planets for us. <laughs> now that is a good Star Trek joke that nicely done writers, very nicely done. <laughs> I laughed at that too. I thought that was really good because yeah, I mean, wouldn't you think if, oh, an M class? No, we got to go to the best class, which would be the 
A-class planet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that was clever. I enjoyed that. One thing that I'm curious if this kind of bumped on you a little bit in this episode as well. The planet they're exploring, Janeway says, is in the Herogen system. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because, of course, the Herogen were kind of big baddies on Voyager from season four onwards. The Herogen system presumably would be their home planet's system, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would assume so. So that's why I'm wondering... Are we in the Delta Quadrant still, right? So, Oh, yes. No, we definitely are still in the Del- Delta Quadrant. We know that for sure. But the fact that it's the Herogen system was interesting, given that, you know, we don't see them around. Now, you, could, you can explain this. We learn in Voyager that they're a nomadic species and have been so for thousands of years. So maybe they all left and they're all nomadic and they don't remain on this home world or something. But it did kind of bumped me a little bit out of the episode because I kept waiting for the Herogen to show up or something like that. Now, the episode has a bit of a cliffhanger end, right. so they might still, but that's I, what I was doesn't, that doesn't seem to be where the story's going, though. Yeah, I wonder if we were going to see them, but then they said there was no life on the planet, and I thought, well, maybe mm-hmm. the Herogens will show up, and maybe not this episode, but a later episode. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, yeah, it doesn't seem to be where the story's going, but it is definitely possible. Yeah, why but... put in the Herosian system if you're not going to involve the Herosians, right? That's kind of what bumped me on it a little bit. Was was it just for the sake of the name drop, or was it? Is there a deeper reason for it? And uh, if it's just a name drop, I feel like they could have dropped other names other than like one of the big baddies of Voyager. Yeah. Uh, Which leads me to think that maybe there is a reason for it and we'll see at some point. One thing that I did appreciate, though, from the episode, like I said, they're going to go down and explore this planet. That's a lot of fun. And we get, of course, the techie in me who had pages of drawings of Star Trek schematics and stuff when he was a kid. We get shiny new tricorders and phasers in this episode. So that was fun. What did you think of these nifty little tricorders they have? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I like how the, you know, things evolve in these series and even the Delta shields look a little different. And so I like that they're letting things progress more. So does this mean that we're going to get some replicas of these tricorders and such that we can buy someday? Probably. Yeah. I also like how the ship landed too. That was cool. That was pretty cool. I'm assuming there's going to be uh, some some toy versions, especially given that this is, you know, a kid-oriented show. We're going to have little toy tricorders and phasers and yes. stuff. Yes, we'll have little action figures that come with the little tricorders that you can put in their hands, you know? Oh, for sure. So you you wanted to talk about the uh, the landing of the Protostar. You mentioned something about that. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool how they did their crash landing. It reminded me of Star Trek Beyond in a little ways, you know, just hmm. the ship sliding i know it's a little different but it's just the music and everything just had that feel to me but also reminded me of voyager how it would land so i was interested Mm -hmm. to see how you know it it can be landed on different planets yeah that's pretty cool i wonder we haven't seen any kind of transporter or anything in the series yet so i i I think the kids don't know about the transporter yet 
So I'm looking forward to a future episode where they find that out or discover that. And it's interesting that they land the ship and that's how they explore the planet here. I also thought it was kind of cool. They have that big central kind of ski thing they land on. It's kind of a different way of showing a ship landing. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of surprising Janeway hasn't told them about the transporter yet. In a lot of ways, you'd think she'd say, oh, we should transport down to the surface, not land the ship on the surface. Yeah, exactly. And then I like how Jacob Pog has to wear a, a suit to go on the planet where no one else is. <laughs> He's so worried about it. Oh, no, it's a strange place. Yeah, absolutely. That was fun. You know, we're getting kind of a showcase of these different personalities of these characters and stuff. And in a very direct way later in this episode, which we'll get to. But I did love that Jacob Pog is like, no way. You know, you say it's safe to breathe, but the suit stays on. I don't trust this. <laughs> That's kind of fun. The other thing, of course, is this all-terrain vehicle they have, the Runaway, yeah. which uh, that looks interesting. Uh, it has, as Janeway says, accelerated ion propulsion, a titanium chassis, hollow steering, and hold on to your butts grab handles. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> My car has a hold on to your butt grab handle. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been in your car, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Again, it took me back to Nemesis, which I always mm-hmm. thought was interesting in that movie, how he you know picard's driving his little dune buggy and people uh, i remember people saying like you know that's stupid why would they have something like that it's like well i mean i know how the scene some of it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense in some ways but it's like it makes sense because even our astronauts today have little cars that they drive like on the moon and will eventually drive on mars so and here we have on the protostar it makes sense that you have little cars like that to ride on the terrain and explore some places. Now I'm going to, I'm going to establish my opinion here very distinctly. The one here in Protoss in, in Prodigy absolutely makes sense. The one in Nemesis still does not make a lick of sense to me because so this one, you know, it handles all sorts of different terrain. It looks very robust. It's got an enclosed cockpit. The one in Nemesis was like, it's a little car with like a cage frame that's open to the elements. So you can only explore one specific type of planet unless you're wearing environmental suits. But if you're wearing environmental suits, that's, you know, you're less movable, has like no cargo space whatsoever. Like, what is this vehicle for except picking up little android parts and wharf shooting the gun off the back? Like, it's just (laughs) the most impractical design But this one, I got to say kudos to whoever designed this. And I did see on Twitter uh, the designer of it talking. And I I can't remember who that was. So apologies right now for uh, not being able to give credit to that person. But very nice design and makes a lot of sense to me and looks like it would be a heck of a lot of fun to drive, too. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, are we going to get one of these someday that we can buy and drive around? (laughs) Oh, yes. I cannot wait for the toy. (laughs) So, yeah, the the first thing that we do when we're off on this planet here is everybody kind of goes their separate ways. So at this point, I'm assuming the lesson's going to be we've got all got to work together. We can't just kind of go off on our own. You know, Dahl takes off in the runaway and everybody else just kind of splits up aimlessly without a kind of 
real objective in mind. So I was like, yeah, these are still pretty inexperienced kids. And, you know, this is still pretty new to them. So uh, that felt true to me. That felt like, yeah, that's probably what would happen. Well, it's funny because I'm watching them, as you're saying, as I'm watching through the episode of them, you know, wandering off on their own. And they all just look like a bunch of teenagers that have gotten separated and wandering around looking at their iPhones, having no idea where they're going because they're so into their iPhones. But that's what it looks like, you know. I definitely get that for sure. Well, like I said earlier, we're going to learn more about our characters here and kind of what makes them tick because as it soon becomes apparent, they start seeing things that are kind of like their desire or, or what they want. And it ranges from the kind of trivial to the kind of deeper. So we've got rock talk who, the one thing that she wants to see is cute little animals and things that will cuddle with her and stuff. And that was adorable, right? I mean, she sees this little animal. It's not registering as a life form. So we're kind of, you know, something's a little weird here, but you know, she starts cuddling with it and playing with it. And then a whole bunch of them show up and she's giggling and laughing as they're all cuddling together. And I was just like, ah, she's so, she's so cute. I love (laughs) rock talk. She's amazing. And uh, yeah, all these little animals cuddling with her. She's just giggling. I loved it. See, you say adorable. And yes, you're correct. The little creatures are adorable. But at the same time, I was terrified. Because I'm thinking, yeah, they're not registering. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to attack her. And then all of a sudden, like some big fangs or something will come out and they'll start eating on her or something's going to happen. I was like, I was scared. (laughs) You know? Because there was a bit of that for sure, too. Yeah. I mean, make them so cute, but then they're going to. You know, it's almost like gremlins, you know, like the movie gremlins, Mm. like, you know, they're, they're cute, but then they can turn evil. Yeah, for sure. And Jenkin Pog starts following this smell. He smells something, which at first I was like, wait, he's wearing an environmental suit. How is he smelling things? This doesn't make sense at all. Which is brilliant because it's not supposed to make sense because we find out later they're the planet's like attacking them telepathically and activating their senses through their brains and stuff. So it makes sense that like, you know, he'd be able to smell this through the environmental suit. What I'm kind of disappointed in is he didn't realize that he's like, wait a minute, why am I smelling things? I'm wearing this suit. And he even takes off the helmet at one point later and finds this food laid out from this meal. And he's so excited and that's his deepest desire (laughs) you know, this wonderful food of his. That was fun. Yeah. We're certainly learning a lot about him and food. We've picked that up on the last few episodes now of him really enjoying food. But again, I wasn't as terrified for him as it was rock talk, but I thought, I don't think I would visit a strange planet and wearing an environmental suit and walk into some strange environment with some strange food sitting there and just take off my helmet and start eating it. <laughs> I'd be mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can eat this. You know, it may not agree with my system because it's from a foreign planet and I don't know what anybody put into it, you know. So this is a part here where I don't know if you caught this, a little bit of a hint of Jenkin Pog's origins, maybe where he says uh, he reminisces about food from the Tellar sleeper ship. So is that how he got to the Delta Quadrant aboard a Tellar sleeper ship, 
which makes sense. Like a sleeper ship would be for long journeys where you put the crew in cryostasis or whatever. Right. So I'm guessing that's how he ended up in the Delta Quadrant, if he has memories of being on this ship. That sounds like it's... They, they wouldn't put that in there for nothing, right? So, yeah, it's, it's got to be that. Well, we, we're getting a little deeper into the desires of some of the people here. So we see Zero. And what seems to make Zero tick is mysteries and the unknown because oh it's our engine from the ship what a mystery you know and all this stuff so that was fun kind of seeing that scientific mysteries and that sort of thing seem to be what enticed them more than anything else yeah what was that that they found like it, didn't they think it was like a some kind of warp core or something yeah that was the 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 engine of the protostar they yeah. said they have two warp cores and this but what is that and that's the mystery that Zero is really interested in. That was a scene that made me think, okay, something really weird is going on here. Because that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, to find food and find cute creatures made sense, but why protostar engines in the middle of nowhere? As we get further into this, it's it's becoming more apparent that something really strange is going on. Because Dahl, we find out his deepest desire, and this, of course, is... We're starting to learn more about him. His deepest desire is to know his parents, even though he doesn't even know what their faces look like. He wants to know his parents. And that was the first kind of like, oh, my heartstrings are getting tugged a little bit in this episode. Yeah, same here. And I thought, yeah, we're probably not going to see them, which we didn't. I mean, we see the backs of them. That was the first clue of, okay, this is going to be an ongoing storyline with this character of him wondering who his parents are and where he's from and we'll get more and more of that and then it gets really creepy when Janeway appears and she gets kind of all evil and that gave me nightmares last night (laughs) yeah false Janeway is absolutely terrifying in this episode and right just from when you first see her face kind of go into that evil look and then you see the camera pull back and she's got like the plant roots and tendrils all around her that was definitely disturbing yeah that freaked me out too that freaked me out more than the little cute things attacking (laughs) (laughs) i would hope so (laughs) i kept thinking kate mulgrew like i want to see her actually try to do the face that would probably freak me out too did she do that in orange is the new black i never watched that series Uh, her character's a bit frightening in Orange is the New Black. She's she's pretty subtle in her terrifyingness in that series, though. <laughs> so, so have you watched yeah. the whole series? Uh, all but the final season, yeah. Oh, wow. I haven't watched a single episode yet. Oh, uh, it's, it's actually pretty good. I would recommend it. Now, wait, okay, so I hadn't thought about this till now. This stuff, this, these vines or whatever, is this somehow... Th- an origin to this weapon that Gwen carries around. I hadn't thought about when I watched it, but it just reminded me of it. I don't think so. Cause these look to be like plant roots and stuff. And her weapon is, is like this metal. Yeah. Uh, the metal thing almost reminded me more of like the programmable matter in discovery a little bit in that it shapes to what she's thinking. It doesn't, doesn't really look like plant roots to me personally. I've seen some people online suspect that this weapon thing that she has is from the planet where Odo is from. Oh, because it's almost like the shapeshifters, the founders and how they like, is it a captured baby founder or something? Like I've, I've read some people say that online, but anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I, I like that idea for sure. Well, speaking of this weapon of hers, That is the ultimate means of her escape from the brig because she's been in the brig this whole time 
And uh, now that she's been left alone on the ship with only Murph and Hollow Janeway, uh, she summons this weapon of hers that's been taken off her and it goes through all the decks of the protostar and smashes into the controls of the brig and as we all know if you smash or wreck the controls of a force field in star trek or other sci-fi that immediately causes the force field to fall so uh, she manages to get out that way so thankfully that that trick works this time around you know in science fiction depending on what the script says Smashing the controls to a door or a force field either jams it so that it'll never open or immediately opens it, depending, like I said, on what the script needs it to do. <laughs> so if you've learned anything from today's discussion is now you know what to do if you're in a situation like that with a force field. So mm -hmm. we just have to crash it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Gwyn gets out and uh, is trying to take off with the ship Hollow Janeway is trying to stop her, but she manages to reprogram Janeway and uh, get her on her side, which that was a little creepy. I kind of felt bad for Hollow Janeway that she just kind of got usurped that way. And it really reminded me of when that happens a few times with the Doctor in Voyager that, you know, Starfleet needs to make their holograms just a little bit more tamper proof. It was a little too easy, right? I mean, it was easy for Gwen to do that, but we do get this insight into Gwen's training for this starship that, that she's, be, she's been taught how to do these things and she's starting to realize what her purpose really was and it was to one day take over the ship, that that's what her father had intentions of doing. So I guess with that kind of training, she knew how to alter the hollow nanny into... <laughs> a nanny that's on her side it just it yeah you're right there should be more security in place because that was just a little too easy well regardless she does manage it and tries to take off but of course this planet the roots this this organism is keeping the ship down and trying to hold it down and stuff uh but before that speaking actually of insights into Gwyn we see what her deepest desire is, and it's apparently to make her father proud of her. This is one moment where I felt like a deep sympathy for Gwyn, because when her father says, when this, this false version of her father says, I'm so proud of you, she immediately is like, well, you're not my dad. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that's brutal. That like he's nice to her or appreciates her. And that's what makes her realize, oh, you're not real. You're not actually my father. Yeah, it's sad. Oh, my father's being nice to me. Then you can't be the real thing. But yet the most important thing to her is to get him to be proud of her, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's just aching for approval. She's aching for the love of her father that she's never getting to the point that when something represents that dream, it's so unreal and false that I think she's going to come to realize that the thing that she desires the most is almost going to be impossible. Yeah. And I think on some level she realizes that now, like on, on some, because of her reaction when she did ultimately get that and she realized that, well, this isn't real. And in a lot of ways, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this in our final thoughts and kind of wrap up, but there's a lot of, there are many things in this episode that remind me of old other Star Treks. And that's like, that's baked in, right? Like we've seen, you know, a planet affecting people's minds before and that sort of thing. And what this really reminded me of in all the best ways was 
do you remember that Deep Space Nine episode? It's called Heart of Stone, where Odo and Kira are trapped on this planet and Kira is stuck in this like crystal formation thing. And spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched this particular episode of Deep Space Nine, but it's in this episode that Odo admits his love for Kira and Kira says to him, oh, Odo, I love you too. And it was at that moment that Odo knew this wasn't the real Kira. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to actually be uh, the, the shapeshifter, the, the head of the changelings. Like that really reminded me of this. And, I, you know, there's so many other things that just call back to other parts of Star Trek that I, I love that. And it, it really speaks our language, if that makes sense. That is a great callback. Uh, that, yeah, I love that episode, that scene especially. I hadn't seen that one in a while, but that's a really good callback because, yeah, you really know when somebody's not real if you really put them to the test and see what their feelings are for you, because it, you know what the relationship really is and the entity that's creating this false person doesn't understand. They just predict that they know, because if you say, I love you, well, the natural response would be, I love you too. Oh no, that doesn't really exist. Or hi father. Oh, it's so good to see you, dear. Uh, uh-uh. You never talk to me like that. So this brings us to, Uh, Something that you and I both talked about before we started recording, which is we get Gwyn rescuing Murph and getting off of the protostar in a shuttlecraft as it's kind of being pulled down by these roots. And so we see Gwyn rescues Murph. That's interesting. We we get, you know, oh, she she cared for this little creature kind of thing. And the ship kind of gets flung, I guess, away and is crashing behind a mountain and everybody looks and they realize they're stranded. Presumably the ship might be destroyed or something like that. And then the episode ends and that's the end. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? That's it. You're not. No. Ah, so, uh, yeah, a bit of a cliffhanger ending here with, uh, just kind of abrupt though, in my opinion, I I thought it was too abrupt. Yeah, and that's the one thing I said to you is that you know, I'm watching it. I'm into it. I'm like, oh, what happens next? And then it just stops. And I'm thinking, oh, that's the commercial break. And then the credits come up. I'm like, wait, what? That's the end? I mean, obviously, we're going to pick up on it in the next episode, but it just felt very abrupt. Like, I think also we're used to like a to be continued or something mm-hmm. that would have helped the transition. But when the credits just came up, I was like, whoa, it just felt like it just happened in the middle of an episode. It, I didn't like the transition of that. But the good news is, from what we talked about earlier about the schedule of episodes, we are getting the next episode that hopefully resolves the cliffhanger that we got from this one. And then we have that break. So I hope that this episode coming up doesn't leave on a cliffhanger. We have to wait till January. That was going to be the very next thing I said was like, now there's just this introduction of a little fear in my brain that like the next episode is going to end sort of similarly. (laughs) And then we're going to have this big long break, which, uh, you know, might get people to tune back in more than they would otherwise, but would make me sad as well because, ah, I, I don't like these kids being in danger. I like them safe and, and, and secure under the tutelage of, of their hollow nanny Janeway here. So, ah, it's so stressful. They're, they're not safe right now. <laughs> yeah. And as I'm playing the episode, it just reached that point where it just ended and the credits came up. And I mean, they do zoom out, you know, but I think it, it just, 
yeah, it just seemed a little abrupt. Because I know we're kind of used to that even with Discovery and Picard. Not every episode ends clean. But I guess we're starting to see that there'll be this this series is going to be maybe a little more serialized than we thought. I mean, we knew it was going to be, but it's it's not always going to be a clean ending at the end of every episode. Yeah, it's just it's surprising that this wasn't like Dreamcatcher Part One and Part Two. Well, although maybe it will be. I guess we don't know the title for next week's episode yet, so maybe next week is Dreamcatcher Part Two. Mm-hmm. But to your point, a little to be continued or something like that might have helped me just in that moment a little better than the like, Oh, there's the credits. Okay. I (laughs) I guess the episode's over now. (laughs) Yeah. It's saying something. We had the same reaction to that. So I do have a question about this episode and about all of Star Trek Dan, since you're the Star Trek expert in my book. Okay. Oh dear. Okay. Well, I'll I'll try my best. (laughs) You're you're my Larry Nemechek in my world. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. High praise. High praise. Except when Larry's around. (laughs) (laughs) Then Larry's Larry. But in this episode, and I think there was kind of another subtle reference, but this one was more obvious. Zero says, as they get their tricorders, as they're looking at the tricorder, they say, mine has already detected a gas sample. And there's Jacob Pog right there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is this the first reference to a fart we've ever gotten in Star Trek? <laughs> I'm thinking hard about Lower Decks. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't remember in Lower Decks. But outside of Lower Decks, I don't think we've gotten one. I don't think so. Now, I listened to the Delta Flyers, Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil's podcast about Voyager. And apparently on set, they made a lot of jokes about gaseous anomalies. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think me. that ever made its way into the show outside of talking about Nebula. Um. <laughs> no. I don't even think we've got it in Lower Decks. I don't recall. I don't, I'm not recalling anything offhand. I know it's not that big of a deal. I just thought about it when it <laughs> happened. I was like, I don't think we've ever had something like this before. <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a Star Trek fart joke, though. That's uh, that's... <laughs> Maybe one for the history books, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at TrekCore.com's review right now, and I know they mentioned the fart joke, so I want to see if they... Okay, when Zero's tricorder detects an unknown gas sample, Jenkin Pog quickly takes that credit. I think it's a rule somewhere that every kid's show must have a certain number of fart jokes per season. Okay. So no mention of there being a fart joke ever before in Star Trek. Okay, so they point out it being a kid show. That's why it has to have a fart joke, right? So Lower Decks is not a kid show, right? No. Okay. But they do make off-color jokes. They do. Just just say. But as I watched The Center Seat last night, and it was about the animated series that was on Saturday morning cartoons for kids... Was there a fart joke in the animated series? Did DC Fontana slip one in there? (laughs) I'm pretty sure no. I think even just by the standards of the time, that wouldn't really be allowed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, yeah, yeah, watch that documentary because they do talk about how things are in there that are unusual for a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to that. So, Bruce, I guess uh, any final thoughts and a rating slash anything we haven't talked about yet for Dreamcatcher? Just that I did enjoy the episode. As I mentioned, not as much as the first three, but it's still up there. It was still a pretty solid episode. And 
it annoyed me a little that the cliffhanger happened. I was like, I don't want to wait. So because I don't know how this one resolves, I feel like I need to see the second episode to really understand it. But yeah, just finding out what those things are that are important to our cast members, to this crew, gives us more insight into the characters. So that's a nice to have. And we're seeing Gwen have that journey where, of course, she's probably going to come around more onto the side of our characters here. So I give this episode a four out of five cute little creatures that terrify me. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that's a good rating. Uh, I'm kind of right there with you. I enjoyed this episode, but it just it didn't quite have the same draw to me that the first first few did. But that said, you know, it's not a huge difference. I did really enjoy it. That that cliffhanger ending was a little unexpected, a little jarring, but yeah, I can get over that. I, you know, as as we kind of, I guess, learn the language of this show and adapt to it a little bit. It's a different style of storytelling than we're used to. It's uh, geared towards an audience that isn't us, you know, let's be frank. But at the same time, I'm still very much enjoying it. And like you said, learning those little bits about our characters, that was fun. Uh, I see that there's going to be a lot of depth, I think, to the character of Dahl and Gwyn especially. And kind of learning their stories is going to be, uh, I think, at times heartbreaking, but also a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, John Noble. I got to say, we didn't get the real diviner in this episode, but we got a little bit of John Noble. And man, that man, everything he's in and just like I would hang off his every word and even his little bit in this episode. I was just I, I love that actor. I really, really desperately want to see more of him, uh, even though he's the big bad. Right. So uh, but yeah, great episode. Not my favorite, like you said, but definitely up there. And I think I would have to give it four out of five really cool, spinny Gwyn weapons traveling through the ship. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a, a good rating, but just not up to the level of the previous episodes for me. Yeah, that's a that's a good rating. Still really good. So the series is averaging in the high fours out of fives. Well, I'm really excited because next week we are going to be talking about uh, the final episode of Prodigy in 2021 because of this break that we have coming up. But before that, we will also be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 1. Ooh, boy. I can't wait. I'm very excited. How excited are you for Discovery coming back next week? I Or this week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, I know it's coming, but as we're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, it's really, it's this week. <laughs> like, I'm mm-hmm. excited. Yeah. I, as you mentioned it, I thought, oh, gosh. Oh, what do I have coming up at work this week? Because I want to watch it first thing in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, join us for that. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about that. It's probably going to be a little longer than usual episode, given that we're talking about two different series, but uh, still going to be a lot of fun. Hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, Bruce, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And I've been occasionally doing literary treks and Star Wars report. I haven't been on in a while. I just waiting for the day for Riley to call me. But, you know, we're ending the podcast. So he's going back and having favorite guests on. And at some point, maybe, maybe one day, 
He'll have me back on one more time. <laughs> so if you visited this planet, all of a sudden there'd just be like a little desk and a podcast mic and uh, your co-host there, Riley, beckoning you saying, come podcast with me. I'd say, what do you want? You, you want something more from me than just podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. I'm also on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. You can find me in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. You can find the podcast at PositivelyTrek at gmail.com and on Twitter at Positively Trek. And of course, if you are financially able, we would love to have you as a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash positively trek. But if that's not in the cards for you, that's totally fine. The podcast is free and always will be. And we love just having you listen to us each week. So thank you so much for listening this week. We'll see you again soon. And until then, as always, stay positive. By the way, when I say that Riley's wanting me for more than podcasting, I don't mean that in a romantic way. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.